Are you tired of doing ministry on your own or trying to figure out everything by yourself? Then we encourage you to go to Marathon Youth Ministries membership site, MYMU. When you enroll in MYMU, we surround and invest in you uh, in many different ways. First, uh, by plugging you into a cohort, which is filled with like-minded leaders. And each cohort is led by an experienced parish leader who uh, will ask the right questions, introduce you to new strategies and, and ways of thinking to help you build that ministry outside the box and, and overcome some of the obstacles that we face. In addition to the cohort, you have access to a growing list of online courses, uh, resources, and other great content. And you're connected to an exclusive community with other youth workers where you could just get to ask those questions that maybe you're afraid to share in, in other areas or forums. So to sign up, for uh, MYMU uh, membership, uh, just go to marathonyouthministry.com backslash MYMU or marathonyouthministry.com and click on membership. And for $35 a month or $385 a year, uh, you will be surrounded with lots of love, encouragement, investment, so that you can grow a healthy ministry that will lead to dynamic, authentic missionary disciples. Check it out. Hey everybody, how's it going? It's me, Chris Wesley, with another edition of the YM Transfer Podcast, where we sit down and talk to leaders and creatives and great thinkers just about what they do and how they do what they do and just kind of pick it apart. It's pretty simple and uh, amazing at the same time. And speaking of amazing, uh, this uh, episode's guest, Kim McMillan, uh, is, is just an amazing person. Uh, not only has she been doing youth ministry for the long haul, but she has been helping uh, men and women uh, find their foundation and uh, just do what God has called them to do in the trenches of youth ministry. And so uh, Kim and I, we, we only really met um, less than a year ago at the NCYC conference in the middle of a busy hall, which we'll talk about in the episode. And uh, we connected and I was like, I just, I need to learn more from this person. And so uh, she agreed to sit down um, in this podcast. And so we talk about, you know, how to adapt to new situations, especially when you were a youth minister, maybe previously before. So if you're starting over, uh, this is definitely a great episode to check out. Um, also a little program uh, disclaimer, uh, I apologize for any audio mishaps. Uh, again, this was recorded pre-COVID, um, and which meant I really didn't have great Wi-Fi at the time. So uh, sorry for a little bit of that, but still, nonetheless, Kim has a lot of great wisdom in this episode. So bust out those notebooks, those pens, and here we go. Kim McMillan. Hey, Kim, thanks so much for joining me on the YM Transfer podcast. How are you doing? I am doing well. Thanks for asking me and inviting me to join you. I'm really excited about our conversation. Uh, for for the, all of our listeners, um, you know, Kim and I, I think we've like kind of crossed virtual paths um, several times over the years, but was, was NCYC this past uh, November the first time we actually met in person? Is that? Yes. In the midst of that crazy uh, hall with everyone and all the things that were going on, that's when we actually had our first person-to-person -person encounter. Yeah, and we were both a part of a, a separate meeting. And one of the things that um, I, I really appreciated about Kim is she she and I were uh, two, I think the only two people who are still in parish ministry who were part of this like larger kind of group and everything. And, uh, you know, um, uh, I just, I, I knew I wanted to talk to Kim because uh, one, you are someone who I, again, have admired from afar has done so much in ministry, and yet you continue to, to not only do local church ministry, but uh, get involved in, in different um, things at a national level. And uh, so uh, Kim and I just start, sparked a conversation in the middle of that crazy, um, you know, hall with all the resources. And I was like, all right, we need to chat. And then we had like a conversation, what, in December? And then another yeah. one, I think in January, and then we're like, all right, yeah. we're going to meet at AMM. And I was like, I got to get you on the podcast. And so here we are. Um, I'm telling you, it was, it was Holy Spirit inspired and full of grace and all that good stuff. Because, um, yeah, for a long time in ministry, I think that we've, we've been on the same team, <laughs> but not yeah. necessarily encountered each other. 
And um, well, it, yeah. And, and that's sometimes the challenge with like things like Facebook, right? Is like, you're like, mm-hmm. I've known this person, but I don't really know this person. So we're getting to know one another. And I'm excited for everyone who's listening to get to know Kim, because the things that I've learned from her just over the last couple of months have been awesome. But if you're not familiar with Kim McMillan, Kim, would you uh, just describe uh, to people who you are, what you do uh, full time? And uh, yeah, and we'll go from there. Um, okay, who I am. Well, I'm a parish. I'm the director of youth ministry at a parish in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Um, and I've been working at this parish for just under five years. Prior to that, I was the director of youth ministry at a parish just outside of Chicago. And I was there for about 20 years. And in the course of um, the minist- my, my uh, being involved in youth ministry, I've held a variety of positions from volunteer to part-time paid to full-time paid um and so there's been a lot of different it's like when you you work for the grocery store and they make you start at getting carts in the parking lot and then you go from carts to bagging and then from bagging to cashier so i feel like i've been a bit around um and had a chance to kind of experience a lot of different things um, I worked for a couple of years with Frank Mercadanti and the um, Institute for New Youth Ministers. And part of my position in that um, team was the practitioner, um, the person that was actually doing parish ministry. And I was able to share um, my experience from that reality, which was really valuable because sometimes you hear from people that can share a little bit how to build ministry, but they're not necessarily in a parish doing ministry. So I think um, the benefit of coming into that team with that particular role was um, to help people be able to say, okay, so this is the reality. Now, what does it really look like in a parish? Yeah. And how do you go through some of those, um, some of those things that get in the way. Yeah, I know. I know. That's, that's so helpful. So how did you and, and, and Frank uh, connect? Like, how did you, uh, did you get involved with uh, working with the uh, Institute for New Youth Ministers? Frank and I are both from Region 7. So Frank okay. and I would have crossed paths several times and we're both from Illinois. So um, we, we've encountered each other in, in different venues. Um, I was a participant in some of the things that um, he did for our diocese, our archdiocese. And I always respected Frank because he has such a wealth of um, information and generational information and an understanding of culture and culture changing. Um, so we had many conversations and through those conversations, Frank invited me to participate in the Institute. You know, I have to say that Frank is uh, one of those people on the list where we've uh, narrowly uh, missed each other several times and, and wanted to cross paths. And you are uh, one of many people who I know who know Frank that I'm like, oh, I got to meet him. Because w- one thing people don't know is that that his his early writings and, and books uh, were a basis for some of the stuff that I wrote with Rebuilding Youth Ministry and, okay. and everything. And so like, um, yeah, uh, to some people that might be, Frank Mercandante might be a new name, but it really shouldn't because, yeah. I mean, he is, uh, I think, one of the architects to how we do youth ministry today. So yeah. uh, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And just a, um, a spiritual holy guy um, mm-hmm. and a family man. And just generally um, when you're talking to Frank, he's focused on, you know, the conversation and he's with you and yeah, he brings out, he brings out the good in whoever he's with. Yeah. Yes. So I, I want to go back to something you mentioned about, kind of being like the uh, the the cart retriever uh, in a supermarket, like, and then becoming the bagger and, and everything. I, I know we've talked about this, but, you know, you didn't start out intending to be in full-time ministry. In fact, it was something through through your, your kids, right? Uh, or, or, no, I actually, you... yeah, no, I, I actually, um, I went to school to be an early childhood education teacher. And I did that for several years. But then when I was home after I had my kids, um, a friend of mine, and you know, it's always by invitation, <laughs> a friend right. of mine was doing volunteer youth ministry at a parish. 
And I said, hey, do you think I could come with you? Because basically I wanted to get out of the house. <laughs> so um, she kind of paved the way. And once I was there, I was able to see how much those two, um, the information and education I had about early childhood development really was um, usable with, with adolescents because they go through similar struggles in a lot of ways. And, and I think, you know, that really uncovered what was my true vocational call. I mean, you know, that everything that you do prior to where you see yourself is to gather information and to form yourself, right? So I think I, I was formed in education like that because I was going to use the information that I gained there to really um, serve in ministry and serve young people. So what would you say is some of the information that really, um, um, like, you know, thinking back to uh, your early childhood edu education and your training in that and everything, like, what are some of the uh, top practical tips that were transferable over to adolescents? So the, the first thing, the first stage, and if you go through stages of development, stages of development, the first stage is trust versus mistrust. And I think that's really, that's really usable in ministry too. You, you cannot influence young people until they're confident that you care about them and then they trust you, right? So that, that's like the very beginning. Um, and the second thing that always struck me is this autonomy versus self-doubt, which is your basic, and I, I am not being um, condescending to young people, that's your basic struggle between I can do it myself and no leave me alone, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty much an adolescence continual struggle. I can do it myself. No, I really need your help. No, I can do it myself, you know, um, and that kind of tension between up and back. So, you know, those kinds of things really do influence, you know, my understanding of, of ministering with young people. So where, where do you see uh, youth ministers make that mistake, though, in regards to the trust, uh, going back to the trust uh, factor, like, mm -hmm. uh, I agree. Um, and yet, there's so many times where we struggle to attract and engage teens, partly because they don't trust us. Where, where do you see some of those mistakes or, or um, things that we do? That I think, I think a lot of times, um, maybe the flaw comes in, and I hate to say mistake, because I don't want you know, that kind of, because most of the time, any of the things that we learn or adapt, it's done out of a desire to be helpful or out of God's love, right? So it's not like, I want to get as many kids involved as possible. So how could that possibly be a mistake, right? But really, in the end, it's, it's about the relationship. And I think more and more we see that now. So it's, more valuable to have as many adults involved as possible so that they can reach as many young people as possible. Because I'm not gonna be able to have a relationship with maybe more than 15 kids. Um, and a good one really with maybe more than 10. So if I want to be able to build um, some kind of relationship with them, they have to know me, I have to know them. And I can't do that with 40 kids, right? Yeah. I, I can do that maybe with 10. Um, so that, that, that relationship is solid and it's really built and it's really honest. Did that make yeah. sense? Yeah, no, it, it, it definitely makes sense. Um, I, I'm almost like wondering because I, I agree with you hundred percent, but sometimes I feel like even seasoned veterans that I know struggle with that, right? They struggle yeah. with, uh, because we get that outside pressure of, you know, you need large numbers and then with the numbers now decreasing, it's almost kind of like we need to just get numbers, but really when you focus on trust first, it mm -hmm. gives you more of a long-term plan, right? I mean, yeah, um, absolutely. And so yet we, we, we face some of those obstacles that, that um, like one is outside pressure from people, you know, and, and the numbers dwindling, but um, uh, yeah, it's definitely a tr uh, this focus on trying to get as many people as possible. But yeah, if we focus on trust first, um, I think it kind of slows things down for us in a way as well, where yeah. we look at things a little bit differently. Right, right. I mean, it doesn't, it's not as dramatic, right? I mean, you're not, you're not hitting this dramatic number, but maybe it's much more authentic. And isn't yeah. that really what's going to make a difference in the end? Um, you I, know. 
Yeah, I mean, I would assume so. I would assume so. So, like, was that something that was totally clear? So you walk into youth ministry. Um, were you immediately like, well, I'm going to apply everything that I know from, you know, my, like, how, how did you start realizing, like, oh, I, I know this stuff? Yeah, because, you know, because I think innately stuff made sense, right? So if it's a vocational call, which I really do feel like um, working in ministry is a vocational call. I mean, and if it is, then... You know, God supplies you with all the tools you need. You just have to unpack it, right? So all these experiences that I'd had prior to landing in this particular room with these young people is, is part of the things that, that was supplied to me, and I just had to kind of unpack it. So, you know, naturally things happen because it's guided by the Spirit, right? Um, so I guess I guess... So here's, here's an example to me, something, something that's vocational, right? Something that's really of your own heart that's going to come out really easily. Um, when I was in high school, I can sing somewhat. Um, not, not like I want to cut a record or anything. And that, that just gave you my age. So there you go. Um, but, but in high school, the choir director, um, who knew I did not have perfect pitch. So that means like I can sing, but a lot of it's done through what I hear. Um, and, and there was another girl in the class who did. He put headphones on both of us. Nowadays, this would be really, really mean, but this is what he did. And he played music through the headphones. Now, the girl with perfect pitch, that's an innate gift that she had that she didn't develop, right? She could sing exactly what she heard, no problem. Me, because the gift that I was building off of was something I was personally influencing, so I wasn't born to sing, right? I could hear it and mimic it. Um, I did not sound so good at all. I couldn't hear to fix it, so the sound was bad. I, I think in ministry, what, what I feel like is there's that innate gift, right? Like, there's something about working with young people that my heart is called to do. So I can look back and reflect and say, ooh, that's where I see it, and that's how I make those connections. But maybe at the time, I didn't recognize that those two things were going to go together. But, you know, during reflection and, you know, prayer and whatever, you start to, to see how that spirit's really moving in all of it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, I know. I, I like that because... You know, there are things that, you know, just sometimes click, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and they, they, they start to flow in that way. Um, but at the same time, I'm sure some people might be listening to that and, and feel discouraged because maybe they're like, well, it's not clicking for me. Like, yeah. does that mean I got to get out of ministry? Or no, like... no, no. I, I, would, I would never say that. I, I would, especially if your heart calls you to it, I would just say mm -hmm that there that there's and, and maybe they just haven't had a chance to spend time in reflecting and making the connections you know that's a possibility too because this comes after how many years of ministry but um i i would say even the singer who's not got perfect pitch gains skills reads learns how to apply you know the things that maybe didn't come intrinsically mm -hmm. to make sure that i'm doing the best i can where I'm at. That doesn't yeah. mean I don't belong. Yeah. That just means, you know, I, I have to bring more resources to my toolbox, you know? Yeah, no, don't or it, it's learning where you're strong, right? It's learning where you're strong and, 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 and amplifying those strengths and then delegating what we're Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. not being afraid to say, Hey, you know, I'm really good at this, but I see that you're really good at this. And yeah. together we can be really well-rounded. Um, and yeah. if we work together, we can do even more. Yeah. What well, What was the status of the ministry that you took over initially? The your first one, like they invited you to do that. Was there someone there previously, like, or was it just kind of like, hey, there's this new thing, youth ministry that we've got to like start doing? Um, no. Um, you know, it's uh, when I first started going as a volunteer. There was, and this would have been, you know, enough years ago ago where the priest was in charge and the priest did all the organizing and then he delegated to you what you might what task you might do which right. now if you look at it it's not really a healthy way to do parish youth ministry at all right, right. um eventually when that priest left there was no one that had planned before him so everything gets lost which is exactly what they 
why they tell you that's a dangerous way to do it, right? Right. And so, right. Um, and so when he was reassigned, the volunteer, me, and another associate who'd never done ministry was um, then working together in this parish. And per his own, you know, he told me this, this priest, he said, I would have just as soon see it fall apart because I didn't know what I was doing. That's what he said to me. He said, I didn't know how we were going to do this, and I didn't really see the value. And um, that's when I started taking the courses from the Center for Ministry Development. And we started, both of us were learning together because I would take the course and then I would, you know, fill him totally in on what was going on. And then it got interesting. And then we got some ways to, you know, utilize things we were learning and, and stuff like that. And the two of us kind of grew together um, to understand how to do ministry more effectively and obviously um, to, to add longevity and to build relationships where, you know, relationships with Jesus and relationships with, with our faith more than the person. Yeah. And, and, and so you started out as a volunteer, you move into part-time and then full-time and, and everything. And just as you're going along that journey, like was the, was it just a continued invitation or was it this draw of like, Hey, I want to do this more and more like what, how, what, what do you think was the driving force with the Holy spirit? Of course, that like led you towards full time. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I would say the affirmation that, that it was working right. Hmm. Um, that, that young people were enjoying being there, that people were sharing their faith, that there was a confidence in, um, being able to be with a group of people that, you know, had the same moral, you know, basis. And um, I think just because it, it was working, that, that people were coming and young people were, um, were engaged. Um, mm -hmm. and, and in retrospect now, there's at least three uh, marriages out of that time together and one priest vocation. So, um, at least, um, not, not at least, I know about the one priest. There might be more yeah. marriages. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, even that particular um, priest who's a young priest now said that um, he, isn't, he, he doesn't tout that he was the only vocational call out of their time in ministry, but he shares that there was a lot of vocational calls out of that time mm -hmm. because we had so many couples get married and people were, where were they were supposed to be, right? Yeah. The fruit yeah, of, yeah. of being together. No, and um, and that's beautiful. And, and that's one of the things that I know I've taken joy of as I've done this longer and longer. It's one of the things we lose sight of if we're not in the same parish or in ministry long enough or the same area is we lose touch with some of those uh, stories and, and we don't see mm. the fruit of our labor. And, and it can be very frustrating along that. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's good I to, think it to takes recognize a whole yeah, I think it takes a whole lot longer than people appreciate too. Maybe in another field in a couple of years, um, you feel like you're in the right place or things are coming together. I, I think, and, and I think that, you know, this is kind of where the transition piece actually hurts ministry. I think it takes four years at least for you That's to feel like um, things are gelling. And I think by the time sometimes, especially if you're not aware that it takes a while, by the time you, maybe people don't make it to that four years to see it. Yeah. Because coming from the place where I worked previous, where I worked over 20 years, um, I would have lost sight of that, how long it took before it got kind of established and felt really good. Um, then when I went to a new parish, the person that had been, you know, I had been involved in ministry for all these years already. Um, and I came to a new place and I realized I had to start from scratch, building a reputation and building a, a resource, being a resource for parents and, you know, being believable. And I was back to, I got to build trust, right? Because these people don't know me. And it took, it took four years before people started to say, oh yeah, oh, maybe I can ask her. Maybe she knows, um, or maybe maybe she can point me in the right direction. Like now you're reliable and you're a resource and that's what you want to be, right? But it takes a while. And if you're not, if you're not involved 
in that if you don't know that it's going to take you a while you might lose heart before you get to that place where you go oh hey yeah now it's working <laughs> yeah so um let's talk about that transition from going from like 20 years in one parish to you know four years oh, well now at, at, at the current one um mm -hmm. I, and and that's one of the things that we connected on was the fact that like you know starting over especially when you yeah, are at right. one place for that many years you establish yeah. yourself you think you're changing but there are all these sort of things that you grasp onto as comfort what were some of the biggest uh challenges that you faced uh, or things that you felt like you had to let go that worked in your previous parish that weren't necessarily connecting in the new one? I would say um, in the previous parish, and because it had been established for so long, there was um, young people that wanted to meet weekly. Uh, they And if there was a, like I would say, we would meet the first three Mondays of the month. Well, on the fourth Monday, they'd be sending messages. Can we just meet tonight? Can we just come over? <laughs> you know, because they just really liked getting together like that. Um, and because it had been established for so long, it fed even the young kids, they would start coming because there was that regular gathering. Um, there was a culture for youth ministry. When I came to the new parish, there really isn't a culture. Um, there isn't a culture for that kind of youth ministry. Um, and there isn't a desire for a weekly meeting because of the time thing. At this point, um, a lot of the kids are already scheduled in ways that they're not looking for, okay, Monday night's gonna be our youth, um, our youth gathered night because they're, they're already very scheduled. So it took a little while to find how to reach them um, and how to gather them and, you know, and to kind of, kind of let go of that idea that they're going to come every week because they're not they can't yeah. yeah yeah so how do you how do you meet them then where they're at i, I like how you said the culture wasn't there yet right because that's mm -hmm. that that i think we get so frustrated and start blaming parents and teens and say like they don't care about their faith they don't but the culture of desire that's how you said the culture of desire yeah. is not there yeah. yet and that goes back to what you were saying earlier on with establishing trust, right? right. You establish trust and you know slowly build there. That's that's uh, essentially what's going to lead to that desired culture or identifying that desire to to be a part of it. And, and to grow. Well, and and it and it it means like you have to let go of what you think it's supposed to look like to make sure that you're open to what it can look like, right? Because mm -hmm. if I yeah. keep trying to, you know fit that square peg into that round hole, it's it's not gonna work because that that's not what's important here. Um, and that whole phrase, like meet them where they're at, you know, I came to a realization at some point that um, it's not like, it, it has a lot of different levels to it, like go to where the people are, obviously, but you also have to recognize what they need, that where they're at is mm -hmm. what what do they need? You know, and what can what can I bring to where they're at, so that um, they don't have to come to me. I have to go to them, <laughs> right? Um, it's, yeah. It's not yeah. just that simple. Okay, now I'm going to go to all the football games because that's where they're at, or I'm going to go to all their basketball games. It's not like that. It's like you have to be a little more analytical about where they're at to figure out what they need and how you can bring it. You got to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, um, and I, I, I like that. I've never really thought about that phrase, you know, meet them where I'm at and, and the different levels with that. Um, mm -hmm. So no, that's, that's definitely true. Um, so what other, uh, what other challenges did you face in, in starting over, especially, you know, again, with the fact that the first place you were, you were working, you were there for 20 years and you grew into that position. That's the other yeah. thing too, right? It's like you started as a volunteer and you grew into that position where here it's kind of like, you more of uh, took over that position. I don't yeah. know if that's well, the right no, word, like, no, because there was there wasn't a ministry, there wasn't youth ministry here. Right, um, right. When I when I came, there wasn't anything to take over. They didn't have it at all. Mm -hmm. um, they would do an occasional open gym, but that mm -hmm. wasn't and it, and it, yeah, it, it just there there wasn't in the culture at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what was your question? I forgot. 
No, no, just just the challenges of the transition, you know. Um, oh. But, but I, I, I think, yeah, I think you have to you have to kind of check yourself too. I mean, I think that was a part of it um, to really, I mean, obviously pray and think about um, how to adjust. Um, you have to be. I don't want to say. You have to you have to say I have some humility <laughs> because you, you know you may feel like you know but you don't <laughs> yeah. you know, because you don't know this place and neighborhoods and communities and I mean this is why everything has to be comprehensive it has to fit where you're at you can't just say this is the one piece for everything because it's not um, and and so you have to be able to adapt a little and be a little flexible and remember who you're working for. <laughs> it's not about you and it's not about your pastor per se, <laughs> but it's about Christ and bringing kids to God and helping them on their walk and their journey of faith. So it means like, who's your boss and, and what's the goal, right? Um, so that you don't just get caught up in the me, like why aren't they responding to me? Um, maybe I'm not bringing what they need. Yeah. We're where do you see um, leaders making, well, you kind of already answered that question of like where you see leaders making those mistakes, but um, you know, it, it's interesting, like one of the things you, you, you mentioned was humility, right? And yeah. um, it's so easy if, you're, if you've done this before to think, okay, I've done this before, I can do it again. If people just listen to me and trust me, then, <laughs> right, right? That's that's yeah, what I remember telling myself when it. If, if yeah. they listen to me and trust me, you know, um, then then everything will work out. And and, and that's where we get stuck uh, a lot of right, times. Right, but right. what other like uh, you know, as you meet new youth ministers and, and new leaders, what are some of the mistakes or some of the challenges that you're seeing them make or seeing them come across? Um. I, again, I would I would hesitate from say, saying mistakes because most of the time when we choose to do something one way, um, it could be the first attempt, right? But it's mm -hmm. a lot of times out of a desire to be effective, right? We don't necessarily come in and um, you know we're we're trying, right? Um, but I I would I would say from this place, spending time evaluating is huge, right? looking at what worked and what didn't work and knowing that the goal is to and making sure that you have a goal for what you're doing right um so that you're not just running <laughs> i'm gonna back up again so at the beginning of the year a lot of times i'll set my three goals for that year so that i have a sense of the direction i'm trying to go and the goals come from evaluating the need so at the end of the year, I have to spend time evaluating, well, where could I, what could I change to be a little bit more effective? Um, who do I need to, to reach to help these young people? So all those questions can help me look to the next year. I think we as ministers sometimes don't take enough time evaluating and planning. Like really looking at this as a, it's a year long activity. I'm not going from month to month but I have something I need to accomplish this year, right? So those are two things. The other thing is I, I don't think, and I sometimes think because we believe we work for God, that means we don't have to spend time with God, right? Um, I think we have to be really attentive to our physical health and our spiritual health. And that means you need to spend time in prayer. Um, you can't be running around thinking you're doing things if you're not right with God. Right. And, and it doesn't, I mean, it's so simplistic, but it's always the thing that gets shortchanged. Um, oh my, my biggest pet peeve when we start a meeting with families is to say, okay, we're going to quickly pray. No, we're not going to quickly pray. Prayer is the most important thing. We're going to take our time, you know? So I mean, it's like, that's, I think like a subliminal thing that we don't even realize we do. Um, but we, we need to start there. Um, start with prayers, start with grounding ourselves, start with focusing on what are we, what are we really trying to do? What's our goal here? Um, what are we trying to bring these young people to? Who are we trying to bring these young people to? So I think, you know, big things is time for, um, 
prayer, um, physically taking care of yourself. I think that it's, a, it's something that we dismiss really easily as a culture. Um, and I think it's, it's so important. Um, and really looking at a whole year as uh, planning your goals for the year, as opposed to just like, okay, this is October. What are we going to do? Yeah. So <clears throat> we're going to get um, a little bit deeper with leadership and more specific because, um, and, and uh, I'm going to apologize before, uh, before I ask this question, but you know, one of the, uh, the things that we've been doing on the Why I'm Transfer podcast is actually this season, it's all, it's me interviewing women. That's it. Um, no guys, just, just women. And um, so I'm asking all these questions as an ignorant guy uh, hoping to learn. And, and for me, it's humble because I grew up with four sisters. I think I shared this with you. Yeah, four sisters, divorced uh, parents. Yeah. And so my mom, and you know, I, I tell people as, as much as time as I've spent with teenage girls in my life, I still don't understand them. So, um, but that's yeah. me being a guy, right. Yeah, but, uh, honest. yeah, yeah, it's honest. And, and so for me, what are some of the challenges that you think are unique to women, um, leaders in ministry that a guy like myself might not be aware of? Like what, what are some of the things that you saw as you were advancing your ministry, as you were growing in your ministry that, that maybe um, someone in, in my situation wouldn't have necessarily faced? I, and I don't even know if that's the right question. I don't even know if that's asked the right way. Yeah. I, I think um, sometimes because uh, women are nurturers, will try a little harder to do more than we can do well. So I'm thinking of a situation um, as I'm saying this, which is the most recent situation that I've been in communication about, but a person might take on too many roles in an effort to please um, and without ever saying, well, really, that's too much for me to do and do well. So there's this desire to, um, I don't want to say please, because please isn't exactly it, but there's this desire to be bigger, better, stronger, you know, I can do it all. Um, maybe it's an innate desire to, um, to prove yourself, but I think um, that's something that women tend to do. Um, never, they don't establish really good uh, boundaries or guidelines because we want to make sure that we're empathetic and compassionate to everyone. And I think to our own demise, sometimes it takes an awful lot out of you emotionally to try to do all these things. When I first, um, when I was first interviewed for this position where I'm at, there was this, um, uh, part of it was possibly taking on two roles in two different parishes but they would have actually not been one parish, like the two places, one parish, one role. It would have been two separate jobs. And, and I was able to look at that and say, the person that's gonna really um, get hurt the worst out of this situation is me, because I'm gonna try really hard to do something really good in two places, and I can't. I mean, it would, be, it would have been impossible, but I knew that a character flaw would have been, I would have tried really hard. And, and somewhere in there, I would have been the one that got burned down and hurt because I want to do good. Um, I want to be the best, but it, it wouldn't have been humanly possible, right? But I, but I could have pushed myself if I didn't, if I hadn't spent time reflecting and praying on the fact that this really wasn't the best choice. So I think that yeah. that's the thing. We try to do a lot more and I think sometimes um, people, bosses, um, guys that don't know necessarily, um, they might lay a lot of things at your, on your plate, um, thinking that, well, if, you're, if it's too much, you'll stop or you'll say something. But we don't. <laughs> we sometimes just take it. And I think, you know, that, that's probably our, our biggest, as women, our biggest thing. I it, it, no, I mean, I, I'm thinking about different women I've worked with and, and, women, and you're kind of identifying different scenarios where it was kind of like one of those things where 
later, unfortunately, later on, they would say, you know, I, I just can't do this anymore, you know, and, and it would be this uh, situation of frustration. Yeah. And thinking in my head, like, well, why didn't you say you know at the at the at the front, you know, at the front yeah. of it? And and I know I'm guilty for myself of overloading my own plate, but um, but yeah, you know, uh, I, I I even sometimes see that with my wife, right? Like. Yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, in sense of like, hey, you don't have to worry about it. I, I can figure out how to do the laundry, um, which that's a whole nother story for another time. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I love to cook. I kick her out of the kitchen. I love to cook and, you know, I clean and, and everything like that. But I mean, she's, she's, she's the reason why I can do ministry and everything like that, because she is uh, just an amazing um, trainer in HR and uh, incredible mo mother and everything like that. But there's some times where I'm like, you don't have to say yes to all those things. Like, yeah. um, and, and it, it's interesting, like, well, and, and you're, you're right. I, I've seen situations where, yeah. And I've been in this myself where I'm like, Hey, just tell me when you can say no, tell me when you can say no. And here's more stuff. Here's more stuff. And, and not realizing and recognizing that maybe that person just doesn't know or is afraid to. Um, do you think it's also like, because for so long, women were not given the opportunity that now the opportunity presents itself that um, they'll say yes to it, even if it's at the sacrifice of their own health or their own um, ability to do it. I, I don't, I don't know if it's because, because, um, because of that, like, Oh, I want to make sure that I prove that I can do all this. But I think, I think it has to come out of the, the nurturing, um, personality maybe um mm. i mean you brought up your marriage and i would say that's similar in my house too where um I, I was talking with another friend who is in ministry and she was saying how you know if her husband has to do something then she's the one who has to figure out how to overlay the child care and blah 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 and how's dinner and and i would have been the same way it's just something that we take on i think it may be innately without even really thinking about it. Um, and, and I don't know. I think, I, I think, I think I forgot what I was going to say. You have to cut this out. <laughs> Let's go back. We talked about okay. Frank, right? And okay. Frank was obviously someone who invested in you and you invested in him and everything mm. like that. Going back to your early days, who were men and women, who were people that really influenced and helped you um, grow as a youth minister and as um, uh, someone who uh, was forming young disciples? Uh, there was a couple here in Chicago. Um, and their names were Dave and Patty. It brings a little um, choke up. I'm sorry. Sorry. And they were so genuinely um, in love with God and, and young people um, that they worked tirelessly um, to, to bring kids to Christ. Um, they really were hu hugely in influential um, just because of their passion and because of their faith. Um, Patty has since passed away um, and um, Dave is just a really, uh, he's a great guy. I still follow him on Facebook um, and they have a lovely family. Um, but um, they would have been the first people that I watched as a couple um, really, uh, really on fire for um, bringing kids to Christ and, and making sure that they had a relationship with the kids they, they walked with. Um, and then I'd say, you know, Ella Maleska from, she's been in New York now, um, just a, a great person. Um, also worked with Frank. Um, and and in, in my experience with working for uh, the Federation or working, not for, working with, um, and Nakamal, there was so many people um, that that really wanted to be invested themselves. And, you know, we look at um, youth ministry uh, nationally, but but nationally, there's all these people involved. And when you go to these national things and you see, you know, all the people that are involved in it nationally, they're also all people. And they're all working in their local wherever they're at in their own way. And that's really, I think that's really what kind of um, encouraged me to be involved in the national scene because um, everybody brings something to that table and it's unique. 
Um, and I think that the desire to continue to grow in your own personal faith and your knowledge of the field and just to be around people who all have that desire, that helps um, feed, um, feed you and, and make sure that you stay kind of focused on what the goal is. There's a yeah, lot of yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I like what you said, though, about the national level of walking. And I, I remember when that clicked with me of like, these are people, you know, they're not, uh, yeah. you know, they're not uh, the Mount Rushmore of youth ministry, or, you know, these idols or, or guys, and, and not to, uh, you know, knock down any of their achievements and, and what they've done. But like, these are these are people that just want a connection. And I know that I've become not just a better youth minister, but a husband and father and, and child of God because of the people that, that, that I've met along the way. And, and, and that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody said to me once, and I, and I think I took, it, um, I took it into a couple of different experiences that I had, but every person you encounter, you either have the potential to learn something from them or to teach them something. And if you, I mean, like if you encounter someone and you're having a little bit of a rough part, <laughs> then you can think to yourself, okay, what are they teaching me? And what could I maybe be teaching them? And that, if you frame the relationship that way, when you rec recognize that everything that is happening there has benefit, um, it, it surely makes it a little easier to get over rough patches, right? So yeah. anybody that you encounter, everybody has a chance to learn something from you or, you have a chance to learn something from them. So you have to, you have to be open to it. So let's say I threw a competition out there where the winner gets to sit down with Kim McMillan and ask any question that they want, or, and you get to bestow advice on them. Let's just say there was one piece of advice you would give a new youth minister fresh out of college starting. Um, what would that be? One piece of advice, making it very hard. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I, one, because I don't ever just have one thing to say. Um, uh, gosh, one piece of advice. Uh, start with prayer. Always, always start with prayer, with reflection, with your relationship with God. And if you pay attention to that, you'll make good choices because everything that's of God is good. Um, mm -hmm. So you just have to make sure that you're, you stay right with God. Amen. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, just a couple of more smaller questions. I, I like to ask uh, my guests okay. and, and everything. Um, what's uh, something you're currently reading or listening to that's uh, having a profound impact on uh, your ministry and what you're doing? I just finished reading Church Refugees by Josh mm -hmm. Packard which was uh, about why people are done with church. Um, I had jury duty on Tuesday, so I read the whole book. <laughs> and, and I actually read it for the second time because as I was reading, I realized I had underlined quite a bit. <laughs> so, and that, that is really, um, it, it's food for thought. So that was really good. Um, what else did I read recently? Um, an Anne Lamont book about hope. I was reading that. Um, yeah, that should be good. Two things. Have Have you ever read uh, Bird um, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott? No. Should uh, I? That, yeah, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Just to, I'll look at it. Uh, highly recommend it. I, I'm blanking because it's a. And I shouldn't because it's a, a book that I gift to people. Actually, <laughs> I was going to say. You want to know what <laughs> book I give to people? Yeah, called, uh, that's what I want to know. It's called Sin Boldly. S I N B O L D L Y, and it's by Kathleen Falsani. And it is a book about grace, and it is amazing. That's my favorite. Sin boldly. Ah, awesome, awesome. All right. So, so bird by bird, I'll read this. Bird, You'll bird read by bird boldly. by Anne Lamont. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Definitely, definitely. We'll have to. We'll, we'll do an exchange. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, another question I like to ask is: uh, so, let's say you have a superhero power that applies to your ministry, okay? Um, what would that superhero power be? Mm. I, I, I think I would love it if young people 
could know that they could trust me as soon as they met me. That would be, that would be my superhero part because then, then they wouldn't be reserved. um, Not even one week or two weeks before they were able to share or to ask for input or um, just to, to share things that are real and important to them. Um, Yeah. I would like that. So it's almost like instant authenticity and trust. Yeah, right yeah, that yeah. they would feel it right away. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, it's love. funny because I, I love asking that question because I get yeah. a range of answers. Like uh-huh. I would put yours at the very profound side. And then <laughs> one of my favorite answers was from uh, my friend Kristen Fisher. She said uh, she'd be the deodorizer because she loves middle school students. And so on camps, she'd be able to like whisk in deodorizer to, especially with teenage boys. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah right there. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, Kim, uh, it, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show and, and I know that we could continue to talk for, for hours. Um, I think we could. I yeah. You, it's possible. I, I know you and I will have uh, for uh, future conversations as well. Um, but uh, just again, thank you for all that you do in the trenches of ministry and, uh, and thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for asking me. I really mean that. Um, there's been a, uh, a couple of times where I've heard people say, you yeah, know, I got to get you on my podcast. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. So it, yeah. it has been a pleasure. And I look forward to getting to know you more um, now that our paths have really crossed. Yeah. And so next time you're at a conference or gathering that's on a national level, look for Kim because uh, it is a treat to get to Okay. But when you look for me, look at the lower half of the room. (laughs) Uh, You know, I wasn't even going to bring that up, but yeah, no, as someone who, you know, there are some really tall people in ministry, like Doug Tuke, right? Like even me, when I'm standing next to Doug Tuke, I feel like, uh, like just humbled. And uh, so, uh, but even in your presence, even though I'm probably going (laughs) to Kim, because you are a leader of leaders and, uh, and oh, you're are, too kind. a great example of God. But anyway, uh, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for asking. We thank you for listening to this episode of the YM Transfer podcast. And if this is something you enjoyed, we encourage you to go to our iTunes page to leave a review and to know that you can subscribe at iTunes or anywhere else this podcast can be heard. And of course, you can go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com to hear past episodes. And lastly, we encourage you, of course, share this with your friends, your families, your coworker, anyone else you know who might benefit from this podcast. We would be eternally grateful. Thank you.